Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 508 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB, it's Matt coming at you, not live. A little break in the fourth wall as you guys are uh, watching this. It's Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday, because or Wednesday. I'll be at the Sixers game tonight, so if you're at the game, uh, hopefully I run into you. But uh, got a, a fun little show for you guys tonight, obviously, uh, final seance on the uh the super bowl we'll move forward and uh suddenly it's pitchers and catchers season and the sixers are uh the main spotlight until real phil's games get going and we pay attention a little bit to the world baseball classic and then before you know it, it's going to be opening day uh but we got that the union released their new kits today and uh we'll dive into just some fun stuff to uh Put a bow on football season for 2022-2023. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Uh, just search Underground Sports Philadelphia and make sure you leave a five-star rating or review. Uh, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe to play with the algorithm for us. Send it to your friends and family to subscribe as we get set to uh, embark on uh, the spring months ahead. we got a lot of stuff planned for baseball season, so go subscribe uh, on Apple and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of every podcast on our network. You get shorts, clips, original content, live streams, you name it. It's on our YouTube channel if it's in video form. Uh, YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 387 subscribers right now. Trying to hit that 400 mark before the end of February. So go subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and uh, maybe fall for the, the clip bait, if you will, as some people currently are right now on one of our shorts, uh, which we'll address on here as well. And big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, man? Living the dream. We uh, we pulled off the trifecta. Three championship losses in a three-month span. Um, but you unlike... It couldn't be done. <laughs> hey, setting new standards. Uh, but unlike some cities, I think the Eagles as a whole have uh, handled it very professionally and are just going to use everything that transpired uh, on Sunday as fuel for next season and beyond. Yeah, um, tough loss. I think uh, 
I think what has made it feel not as tough is how well the Eagles played in the yeah. game. It's, I mean, the you can maybe have some defensive takeaways, but I think generally speaking, no one's like upset at the performance. You know, like there's a few like key moments maybe that you would like to change perhaps, but you know, you I, I don't think you walk away from that game feeling disappointed in like the effort by the Eagles at all. So I think that helps. I think it helps too that, you know, large parts of this team are still pretty young and there's a lot to look forward to, at least it seems, but you never know when you're going to be back in this situation. So um, it, it does feel in some ways like a missed opportunity to, to get a championship and that part stings. But I think, you know, Jalen's still as young as he is. You still have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard locked up the next few years under contract. So you have like a core, you have something you can build around. And as we've talked about, the, the NFC is not particularly daunting in terms of like challengers. Um, so, you know, like I, I think it's reasonable to expect the Eagles should be a playoff team again next year. And, you know, are certainly as it stands, you know, we'll have to wait till free agency because this defense could be look very different next year, personnel wise. Um, also lost like, you know, your two offensive and defensive coordinators. There's other coaches that could be gone too. The quarterback's coach, I think, is, is interviewing for uh, the Ravens offensive coordinator position. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, moving parts over the next few months. But I think the way that they've handled the last few years in team building gives you confidence that this team can definitely be back next year with a, a very strong squad again. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, Shane Steichen going to the Colts, Jonathan Gannon going to the Cardinals. One of those is a good hire. Yeah. Uh, very awesome Uh I don't know if you saw his interview, Steichen's interview with the Colts. He literally thanked every offensive player uh, from the Eagles, which I think was you know a nice little tip of the cap. You don't really see a lot of coaches thank every single player, um, but I think you know he's gonna he's gonna have a his hands full with the Colts and you know their rebuild and everything. Steichen though is one that I think is easier to replace in a sense. Um, just because if I if I'm Howie Roseman and I'm Jeffrey Lurie, like I'm not letting Brian Johnson leave the building. Yeah, Brian Johnson should definitely say. I would actually disagree. I think Sykin is actually harder to replace. Jonathan Gannon was a fine defensive coordinator. Um he's almost like a flat track bully type of defensive yeah. coordinator in that. Like he he's very good against like ninety five percent of NFL teams. But when he has to play like the elite, the best quarterback, and this is not just a this season thing, this right. is going back to last year too. You know, like you had a Justin Herbert like explosion game against the team. Everyone remembers, of course, the Mahomes game from uh, from last year. And Mahomes in the Super Bowl, he didn't have the gaudy numbers that you usually expect, but he was incredibly efficient every time he had the ball. And you know, um, what it completed like eighty something percent of his passes, like, and that's been kind of a theme in in those games again. And I think Steichen's a play calling ability because that was I think the big switch in this team too is that you know Sirianni gave up the play calling to Steichen and I think you saw noted improvement in this offense since then and I think his ability to sort of plan out games is something that could be hard to replace um, I think you could find like a replacement level Gannon I'm not sure especially it's, it's tough because a lot of these positions have been filled you know, like a lot of the top candidates have already gone wherever they're going you know the, the Eagles are a little bit behind the ball in some sense in terms of like replacing guys so that could be a, I think a bigger challenge um, Shil Kapadia put this tweet out from uh, his podcast that he has with Benjamin Solak with Spotify and The Ringer. The Eagles have played 400 games since the year 2000. Among that sample, the defensive performance in the Super Bowl ranked 
391st in EPA per drive and 395th in success rate. Yeah, I mean, they, the Chiefs, like, that was actually, I think, by uh, success rate, that was the Chiefs' best offensive performance of the year, which it totally doesn't feel that way necessarily yeah. because, yes, like, they put up 38 points, but you know, seven of those are off of a, a defensive touchdown. Right. And, you know, like, especially the first half, it felt like you kind of had a sense of, like, how you could figure this team out, but that's the great mistake against yeah. the Chiefs and Mahomes is that you never have them figured out, and they're always going to find a way to, to make you pay, and they did. They definitely did in the second half. Um, yeah, and I mean, that was a concern that we brought up in the 49ers game, was that Gannon, his defense is a pick-up-and-play defense. Mm -hmm. He is not someone that has typically game-planned for for specific games. For Like, he is just like, here's the blueprint, here's what we follow, here's our rules, and this is kind of just how we play. You know, it's never been one that is like, um, like you see on the other side of the ball here with Spagnolo, right? Like, where it's like, in the playoffs especially, he's a guy that, you know, gears up and is able to typically take away some of your best things i think he didn't really have much of a hand in the mm -hmm. eagles uh at least scheme wise right like there was big plays like yeah. there was definitely more individual moments from the chiefs and that's something disappointingly that the eagles really lacked in that game is that there was no big yeah i, I can think of a few chiefs moments obviously the fumble is one of them uh, but i think i can think of even a few times that Jalen was really put under a lot of pressure mm -hmm. or you have these like really big hits like even the miles sanders what was called a fumble then yeah. is, is reversed like Eagles never had a moment like that in this game defensively, which is frustrating because right. even without the scheme, you'd think with like the defensive talent you have, someone at some point would be able to make a big play, and it just never materialized. I think that you know, there's a few things that I think separated those teams on Sunday. I think that was it. I think the Eagles never really got because even in 2017, the defense was not amazing. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that was another like just very neither, Super Bowl passing record. Neither defensive team could get a stop. But the big moment, then the the big moment in that game is Brandon Graham with a strip sack, yep. and that is what wins the game for the Eagles ultimately. You know, like and they just never had that moment in this game. It didn't have to be a strip sack like that, right? But yeah. it just had to be especially in the second half, like a, a big a stop. Yeah, a sack. There was one total sack in the entire game. And it was like one of those, it's like, Statistical it was technically a sack, but yeah. it was not, you know, like he, Jalen Hurts got forced out of the pocket behind the line of scrimmage yeah. and that's it. So I, I think that was like, the, that's the frustrating thing is that individual quality did not really materialize for the Eagles defensively. And that is, that is a frustrating thing to walk away from this game where, you know, you have a lot of stars on that defensive team and uh, everywhere you look. So, to not have that is, I think, uh, is frustrating. Yeah, we posted a clip from the episode that came out on Monday, because um, it was it was like this big fanfare that Vic Fangio was coming in to help the Eagles during the Super Bowl, signed a two week contract or whatever. I knew he was working with the offense, like that was a given. It was in every like headline tweet that he was working with the offense. But you're meaning to tell me Vic Fangio, defensive minded guy coming in right before he takes a defensive coordinator position, a guy who coached against the Chiefs for however many years he was the head coach of the Broncos, wasn't, you know, whispering in Jonathan Gannon's ear a little bit defensively to try and help the defense. Like, I don't know, Pat Pitts brought this up too. Like, sometimes it's a it's an overthought after the fact, but, you know, when you bring people in, sometimes it's a, a too many cooks in the kitchen situation. I feel like it was one of those one-way streets with Vic Fangio. It was like this whole amazing thing that the Eagles, you know, were playing 3D chess by bringing in Vic Fangio, and then when things fall flat on their face, nobody's talking about it. I think it was because he was helping the offense understand Spagnolo's, which, if that's the case, worked. Because I yeah. actually think that, like, we've For seen sure. that defense 
we saw it against Joe Burrow. Like we've seen them in the playoffs really limit, like did it to the Jaguars. Like they've, they've had these moments where like he has been able to really limit good offenses and the Eagles were not limited offensively in that game. The yeah. only, only really like there was the, the fourth that they, they weren't able to convert and they had that fourth down, which leads to that really bad punt. That was the only time offensively they really sputtered out and then Jalen fumbles. Like outside of that, I mean, this offense had its way. So if Angio had a hand in that, then I actually think totally fine. I deserves credit. I don't know how like involved he is like defensively. I personally would not imagine that he was like really that involved. Like I just can't imagine Gannon like handing over control in any way. And you know, with, with just a few weeks, who knows what, what happens there. I think maybe the Eagles might be kicking themselves a little bit. They didn't have in the door sooner and yeah. maybe counter. Yeah. I don't well, know. He was there in training camp too. I remember that story. Yeah, he was doing like he was specialist like roles. August. Wasn't he like, um, and you know, I don't know if they'd match. I think the Dolphins are paying him the most that a coordinator is yeah. like <laughs> is being paid. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if the Eagles are necessarily matching that, but yeah, I, I think, I think again the the defense was great at times this year, and it is still going to be remembered as like the the, the almost broke the sack record, the, the gaudy like sack numbers, and they had like big moments. But I think, you know, that's going to be like the next evolution in this team is that that needs to, and it, it's tough too because I think. And this speaks a little bit to just the fact of, like, what people said about the Eagles being, like, frauds, like, yeah. which I, I don't agree with because, you know, right. they played the Chiefs just as good as any team has and, and probably should have beat the if Chiefs, right? The if not for better. Yeah, like, um, I, I do think one tiny sliver of that is true in the sense that the NFC is not a conference that you get tested a lot in. Mm-hmm. If you look at the AFC in the path you have to get, like, like name the best 10 quarterbacks in football, right. eight or nine of them are in right. the AFC. Like, you know, like the, the fact that your defense constantly has to plan for the Joe Burrows, Lamar Jacksons, Josh Allens, Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh, like Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, like just keep going, you know, like it's, Lamar Jackson, like, like it's just, um, you know, that's not the NFC. It is, it is Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and, and Tom Brady, 30 year old, you Dak know, Prescott. like, and that was it, you know, and now Tom Brady's gone out, out of the picture quote unquote but yeah i mean there's no like i don't know i, I do think there might be something to that but it's it's all nebulous because yeah. if the eagles win this game no one's talking about right that. you know like it's it's just and if the eagles win this game too by the way they're talking about andy reed's cowardice and going for that field goal yep. that gets missed um not going for two and allowing the eagles like to you know go down jalen hurts gets the touchdown gets the octopus gets the the two-point conversion um that i mean those are all things that in hindsight in I think when we're like highlighting this game too, that's where we felt like the Eagles actually had an advantage was yeah. those like on the margins calls, like Syrian is going to be more aggressive and they were aggressive. They had, I think the best third down convert, the second best third down conversion rate in Super Bowl history. Yeah. Number one was the Eagles in 2017 yep. in the Super Bowl. They so. broke so many like record, like Jalen broke like every statistical uh, category you could think of for uh, like most touchdowns by a quarterback, you know, in X amount of, you know, like a half or whatever. And, you know, he had the best or second best, depending on the grading uh, that you looked at, uh, QB rating of a quarterback in NFL history. And the one that he was only behind was by point one by Nick Foles. Like, Jalen had a historic game, and I think Patrick Mahomes said it best after the game, too. It's like, if there's any doubters still out there after this game, you're crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's like a big takeaway from this entire playoff run too. I think is like even and I had these questions like even 
after the regular season than Jalen Hurts had. Just it's so different when you get to the yeah. playoffs. And I think it's very amazing when you think of just the discussions around him, you know, this this time last year after the Tampa Bay loss. And there was a real concern that like this was a guy maybe like can do it very well in the regular season, but it's just never gonna right. like translate to the postseason. And they found a way to do that and it's part his talent, part this offense too was just like very great you know yeah. and they have like it's it's suited around his strengths Correct. like as as a player which is good like that's, and that's what you, every nfl team wants right like and the good teams do that the good teams identify like hey what is our quarterback really good at like let's do right. that it's what the cowboys have struggled with like yeah. they have not played to Dak prescott's strengths a lot um they gave zeke 90 million dollars <laughs> right you know like and, and they've, they've prioritized the right areas in a lot of ways so i think that's like something you can at least take away is that jalen hurts i again like that was one of the better quarterback Super performances I like have seen in my lifetime, yeah. you know, like, and I, I thought he was he was really really good in it. The moment did not phase him. Again, he has the the one mistake, but literally, you know, like he the made next up for it the next too, drive. The next drive, you know, he he's out there, and I think too that that speaks a lot to all the intangible stuff you hear about him as well, like his composure and his like mental resilience and his intelligence. Like, I think you all saw that on display in that game. Like, it would have been very easy for him to like. Crumble. I think I think honestly, like, if you looked at like his tape from this year to last year, you just see like, it's like a different type of player, yeah. you know, like I, I really do. And I think the fact that he's improved so much as a player, like year on year, like even before his time with the Eagles, I think can give you a lot of hope for next season. And, you know, when you have a player like that, you're always at least going to have a chance, you know, in, in the playoffs. So that's, that's the good thing. And we talked about it so much during the regular season too. Like this is the first time since Jalen was in high school that he had back to back, same head coach, same system that he's been in. And like, even with Syke and gone, like it's still gonna be Sirianni's like system and everything. And you know, if if I'm giving the keys to the castle of offensive coordinator, I'm giving Brian Johnson because I think that was a huge catalyst for Jalen taking that next step. Like he was Jalen's guy, either in college or in high school. Um, and you saw just like the leap he took with Brian Johnson here as the quarterbacks coach, and you know Jalen working hand in hand with him again, and him knowing Jalen hurts the way that he does. If that's any indication of, you know, the leaps that Jalen can take with that, you know, right by his side. If you can make him the offensive coordinator, I think that would be one of the smartest moves you can do this offseason. Defensive coordinator, though, like, I don't know where you go. I see a lot of people, like, wanting Lovey Smith here. I don't know how I feel about that. I think Lovey is, for his time when he was the head coach of the Bears and everything, I thought he was a phenomenal coach for that era of football. I don't know how it would translate to defensive coordinator or if he even wants to, you know, take that quote unquote demotion. But um, I think being a defensive coordinator anywhere is better than head coach in Houston uh, for a lot of reasons. But I don't know how I would feel about Lovey Smith. And I don't know if like that's the route the Eagles want to go. Um, I also think when it comes to the defensive coordinator position with Gannon now gone, like this is like back to back defensive coordinators with, uh, I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. I was going to say Jim Johnson. Jim Schwartz uh, and Gannon were like, in big moments, it felt like they just could never have those in-game adjustments to really capitalize on the talent that they were dealing with as, you know, the coach of the defense. I think the Eagles need to, like, truly find somebody from just wherever they had coached previously that they can prove that they can make in-game adjustments with the talent that they have. Yeah, both those guys, I think, are kind of inflexible. Like, this is the way we're going to play it, right? Yeah. Like, Jim Schwartz is all like the three-man front, right? Like, right. it was like... That wide nine. Yeah, and I, I just... 
you know, in the thing too, I think that's going to be interesting is the Eagles again, like eight of they have like eight, I think, free agents on defense. You know, like, and they don't have like a ton of cap flexibility. And even with Harry Roseman's, like, <laughs> he always finds a way to like create a little bit more space. But um, they don't like have. They're gonna have to make a few tough decisions, and I think that is gonna play into who they get as defensive coordinator as well. Because I think you'd ideally want someone. You'd want someone that has like some say in like the personnel and like how do they like to play, and you can kind of make some free agent choices about that. Um, yeah, and I mean, let's not forget too. This team has the tenth pick in the draft, yeah. which could and thirtieth. And which, you know, could um, obviously be like, you know, they could pick, do you, they could make a selection there? Or, you know, they could trade and, and maybe like they did last year, get, you know, like they, they trade and get A.J. Brown, right? Like get someone who's a real difference maker, you know, they go that route. So, um, you know, they have some flexibility here. It's not often that a team is, is coming off a Super Bowl appearance yeah. and, you know, is going to pick in the top 10 at the draft. And they have about $8.1 million in cap space right now. Right. Um. I think priority number one this offseason, though, for the Eagles, and they need to get it done as soon as possible, give C.J. Gardner-Johnson whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, that's that's the big decision, too, is, like, his future and, and uh, you know, he's obviously a really crucial part. I think the fact they went out and got him would say to me that they really value him. They yeah. valued him enough to go out and be, like, aggressive to acquire him. Um, it's about whether or not you think you can find some replacement for him. I You know, that that's that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Eagles do over the off season, um, but yeah, it was a great Super Bowl. I yeah. mean, it was like I think it was the best Super Bowl since fifty two. Yeah, I think um, I think that's probably that's probably right in terms of just like competitive nature, yeah. back and forth points. Um, it was just again back to back Super Bowls too, where it felt like the refs kind of inserted themselves too much and i'm not even really talking about that final play either like when you break it down frame by frame was it a hold yes at that point in the game do you want the ref to call that no but i think there were some other moments where it was like what are these guys doing you know yeah. i think the the Devonte uh overturn catch no catch thing was a little off awkward because right next play they give dallas goddard the catch uh and then the one play where the eagles are lined up you know, fourth and one, that's 92%. That that sneak works, or it was third and one. And then they uh, they delay everything to let the Chiefs get their substitutions so yeah. then they can challenge the play, and then that transpires. So, like, that was that was pretty rough. And then uh, when you spend $800,000 <laughs> over the last two years <laughs> and the field is that bad. It's weird that they talked about it so much. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. in my life more about the playing surface at the play. I should. This is just a general. I should never know what type of grass the no. players are playing on. That should not be something that is like. I think that speaks more to the fact that they knew that it was like terrible, yeah. but they were trying to like literally astroturf it <laughs> in the mornings. Be like, no, it's actually great. We spent a lot of money on it. And then they were trying to like play it off that like post halftime part of it was due to Rihanna's stages and everything making oh the, the field things that were floating bad. <laughs> like, come on, the sod father should be just just retire, buddy. You're done. Working um, at ninety four honestly sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, to be very real. If I'm working at ninety four, just like. <sighs> Just end it all. <laughs> like, the field serve. Like, Hassan Reddick said it after the game. He said it was the worst field he's ever played on in his career. I've, I've never. And he played in Arizona before. I've never seen players, like, slipping that much. And I saw. I, I forget who tweeted it. Um, the Eagles on unique dropbacks 
38% of unique dropbacks, they had a player slip. Yeah. The Chiefs on 14% of unique dropbacks had a player slip. So, like, anyway, you dice it up, like, there was some issues across. Like, Jake Elliott almost, like, broke his ankle, slipping, yeah. kicking the ball off. So, like, that was a, a whole mess. Um, hopefully, the Super Bowl is not in Arizona anytime soon. Next year, it, Vegas. It is Vegas, right? That's cool. Um, so we'll see what happens. And I think the year after that's New Orleans. <laughs> I love New Orleans. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a bummer that they, they end up losing, but we talked about it on, on Monday. Like when you look at the landscape of the NFC, like there's, there's a valid argument you can make that the Eagles are going to be the team in the NFC for the next half decade plus. Yeah. Half decade might be a little too long. But I depending think on you know where football cycles is usually like three years, yeah. like that's what you have with the team. And I think if you count this as year one of like, but then you know there's going to be a lot of like change and, and things like that. Like now that Brady's normal. gone, Rodgers is probably going to the Raiders, or well, it depends or, on what, or into another cave the, of darkness. What the sign of the beaver told him. Um, is, uh, and I think darkness. some of it depends on where Lamar Jackson ends up. You know, if he goes to an NFC team, it'll depend on what NFC team it is. Um, I would be surprised if Lamar's not a Raven. I think they're just going to franchise tag him, and maybe like in the next few years yeah. he could be in the NFC. But I think next year, it next year I think is is who's here is who's here. You know, I think it's yeah. it's it's the Cowboys, it's the Eagles, it's the Forty ers and I, I I really just struggle to th- like you could Cra- maybe talk about the Lions. That's what like, I was going to say. Crazy enough, like the Lions are going to be like that frisky like but like four seed. I just I'm not convinced that that is a team like that is right. like competing for a super bowl but like they're a team that's probably like 10 11 wins yeah. and is like they're hanging in the divisional round right like that's a tough game and even with not. the 49ers like their quarterback position right now is a massive question mark sure but i you know what it was it was a massive massive question mark all year and, and i think, figured it out let me ask you this because i've been asking some people this question just like out and around do you think the 49ers losing D'Amico Ryans as their defensive coordinator is a bigger loss for that team than the Eagles losing Gannon? Uh, probably because I think he's very good. I would and also then in say, terms of like replacing. I would also say though that like the defensive like talent that they have there, I'm like D'Amico. I think it's a little bit of both. I think okay. I think it is very much, and it's actually I think pretty similar to Second in that like I think what they bring as coordinators is highly effective. But I also think they benefit a lot from the talent that they have available. But, you know, like, not everyone can maximize the talent yeah. that they have available. Like, that is a skill in of itself. Um, when you have a player like Fred Warner, <laughs> that is that is the great equalizer in what you can do, right? When he is just so talented and so smart. So, um, I do think that's, yeah, that's that's a potential question mark for them. But I, the 49ers, man, they're just like... They're the zombie team. They're just they're back every year. They're they're always competitive. I, I don't. Their think division is so overrated too. Right, and I mean that's a division too. That's like, I mean, God bless Gannon's, you know, luck with the uh, <laughs> with the Cardinals and and you know, their Simmons. future. Yeah, um, you know, it did. The Seahawks could be good next year. Like that's that's a potential for you know. Obviously, they were good this year. They're a playoff team, but I mean, like they could potentially like really advanced next season but and then it's like is geno smith gonna do what geno smith did this year right rams are in hell next yeah. year so they have the corpse of matthew stafford at quarterback for them, yeah i think so. like i'd be curious to see what the falcons do because yeah. they're like a sneaky team that i think if they make if they make like a good quarterback improvement could actually be one of these like again like probably win that division that division is not that intimidating no 
Um, you know, it might depend on what the Panthers do as well. But I, again, depends if Derek Carr goes to the Saints. I'm not sure. I any of those teams to me like there's a a right now. I mean, this is right. prior to free agency, prior to draft. To me, the tier, the top tier of the NFC is still the Eagles, Cowboys, yeah. and 49ers. Like I, I would expect one of those three to probably represent the NFC next year. Um, the, uh, you know, of all those teams you mentioned, between the Lions, Falcons, Panthers, Saints, whoever else, the Vikings maybe <laughs> you know, like could be in like the could be playoff teams next year, right? Yeah. But like I, I would be a, you know, it, we'd have to see like what moves they make this offseason to think that it'd be anything more than just that. Yeah, like, those three teams, and then, like we said, like, the Lions will be, like... I think the Lions end up winning that division uh, in the North next year. Just because they have the most stability across the board, which is weird to say, for for the Detroit Lions in any aspect of their franchise history. Um, But, I mean, you also look at the Eagles, uh, you know, free agents and everything. I think there's guys that will be back that just want to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your biggest loss is probably going to be there's two guys that I think are almost locks to be gone. It's James Bradbury because I think somebody's going to throw the bag at him rightfully so. Um and I don't think Isaac Samuel is staying. Yeah, I think I think Bradbury probably the course of the year although maybe the last play of the Super Bowl <laughs> doesn't doesn't help the the bag chasing but um I think he he really reinstated a lot of value this year. Samuel is like tough to to really project like you know, the offensive line, too, is like has quite a few question marks. Like, we don't know right now, like, Kelsey's future, Lane Johnson's future. Like, Lane, I think, probably back. Lane, I saw uh, Lane did an interview that I watched um, and said, like, he's telling people at least the next two years. Yeah. So, Kelsey, maybe more 50-50. Yeah. Um, Which has been the case for the last three yeah. years, I would say. But this feels like maybe, you know, like... yeah. Maybe this is it. So you know, like there, there's I think a few, a few decisions to be made there. And I think but. with Jason Kelsey too, like, even though he's a free agent, he's one of those guys that I don't think would ever put on another jersey. Yeah, and I, I just he seems to me like just like his personality is like, football is not everything to him. You know, like yeah. he just he just seems like one of those people that is like maybe more com like, not to make it, like compare him and Tom Brady, but you know, like Tom Brady retired and it felt like brother like right it you know it just felt like football is such a core part of like tom brady's being and it doesn't feel that way for someone like jason kelsey where it's like yeah this is like my job you know like i love it but you know it just feels like maybe he's more comfortable with like i'm just gonna step away you know like and i I I said i said on monday's episode like give like just have on the table for kelsey brandon graham fletcher cox and lane johnson when it comes time for that just give them one year contracts until they're ready to hang it up yeah because they feel like the guys that, like, will be, like, those, you know, Brent Selleck types, like, forever Eagles. And you don't want to, like, see them put on another uniform. I think Brandon Graham will be back, even though he's a free agent. Because um, I think he just wants to keep playing until he's ready to hang it up. And they were able to manage his, his snaps a lot this yeah. year, right? Because like, they do have, like, they had a lot of depth on that defensive line. So, And yeah. most of that depth... I think is still going to be there. Like a lot of people talking about the depth, like three of the Eagles defensive free agents are guys that were brought in mid season that right. are on the older side. Like Sue was ring chasing. Linval Joseph was ring chasing and you traded for 38 year old Robert Quinn. Yeah. Like they're not like game changing. Those, those were pushing the chips into the table right. moves. Those were not like the next three years. What exactly. does this team look like? Like you have Josh sweat still here. Son Reddick is still here. Milton Williams is still here. 
Um, you probably lose Javon Hargrave, which is going to be a bummer, but the way that Howie Roseman attacks the draft, like he's always finding defensive tackle and offensive line depth wherever. Um, so that's not like as big of a concern for me. And then TJ Edwards is a free agent, but you drafted Nicobe Dean last year. Yeah. Well, Epps is a free agent as well. Yeah. Your wife. So like there's, there's holes to plug for sure. But I mean, I think, you know, maybe you, you call up some of the chiefs and ask them <laughs> about, because listen, like they deserve a lot of credit because, yeah. you know, they took a big gamble last year on themselves and their ability to draft well. And I think a lot of the discussion was about how they were playing a lot of rookies on defense. And yes, the defense was not the reason the Chiefs win right. that game necessarily, right? Like, I didn't think they made a ton of stops. But the fact that you can have, like, a team with as many rookies as you did, like, make it that deep in the playoffs and, like, draft that well. Like, they had, like, six and seventh round guys playing yeah. in the Super Bowl. Like, that's not a very common occurrence, even, like, if you have, like, catastrophic injuries. I think one thing potentially working against Eagles, too, is, like, yeah, 22 starters healthy for the Super Bowl. That's just not, yeah. you know, that, that is not a, like, replicable thing, even if you have, like, a great health staff and you just get and health lucky. Is even quotes. with luck on your side again, I don't know that you're you're getting that. But, yeah, and, and, and in that respect, too, I think it, it just kind of stings a little bit more because it's like this, it really all kind of lined up, you know, like, you know, between yeah. the health, between everyone kind of peaking at the right time, like, felt like a, a really great opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Um and it just feels it feels a little unfulfilled walking away from it without that. And I think too, with with Epps being a free agent, like you saw, Reed Blankenship can play in this league as an undrafted free agent, so that's a benefit as well for this team. I think um, to have that on your side, and then you just, I, I still think you know priority number one is just resign C.J. Gardner Johnson because I think he's such a huge part of this defense, and you saw what this team was lacking when he was out injured. Um, so just give him whatever money he wants for however long he wants let him retire an eagle because i think he's just meant to be here um fits this culture fits this city extremely well and uh i think that's got to be you know number one for for howie roseman this offseason um we talked about this on monday too but i saw nick costos tweet that this super bowl should be the catalyst for uh the nfl no longer employing part-time refs <laughs> yeah I, uh, I i feel like it is kind of crazy that like every league across the board i'm pretty sure every ref is part-time it is kind of crazy that they're not full-time yeah i mean i refereeing too is not easy right and especially the nfl where like things happen so fast and there's so many like i feel like there's just more variables in an nfl game than there are in any other sport so yeah maybe uh Maybe officiating and like the the field work are things yeah. we could. Uh, we don't need guys being lawyers in the off season, right? Even. I mean, I get like in a sense, I get that it helps if the lawyers, right? Like, cause like yeah. they have you know like probably much more understanding of like procedural stuff and yeah. rules and like, but like, you know, I, yeah, I think maybe we could just. And there's so much you can do in the off season to just like help these referees and like all the officials and everything just like get better at their job, where like they're paying attention to detail twenty four seven. Um, like it shocks me that that wasn't the case after the replacement ref stuff back when that happened. Well, but 114 million people are still watching no matter what <laughs> for the Super Bowl, and the money keeps rolling in, and you're gonna add another game of the season. You know, yeah, the money don't stop no matter what. People <laughs> complain about the refs my entire life, and the NFL has only gotten more popular. So <laughs> I don't know. Just remember this: three days after Roger Goodell said, referees never been better. 
I thought, like, on the whole, it was not poorly officiated. I think... There's just some weird instances. Yeah, and but I, I think my my gripe, my only gripe is, like, the final play. It just kind of sucks the yeah. momentum out of the game. But that's, like, more as just, like, a fan. You want to see it, like... It Especially just, in back-to-back Super Bowls. It felt like it just ended the game. You know, like, it yeah. just felt like that the game was over at that point. And, um, you know, it just kind of sucks when that's the way the game ends. You know? and But that's not really the ref's fault either. Because, like, you saw a foul... You know, maybe in a moment like that, you know, like pretend the whole, not to see the whole. Well, the whole game, you know, it felt like there wasn't. They weren't calling it. Yeah, like it felt like there was a lot of physicality the whole game, and it just, again, it just not to say like well, you shouldn't call it in the big right. moment, but like it just it, you know, let's be honest, you shouldn't call it in the big moment. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Like I don't think anyone besides Chiefs fans. <laughs> And Jackson Mahomes really enjoyed, you yeah. know, like the final one minute and forty seconds of them kneel downs and and just uh, kicking a field goal. But it uh, is what it is. I did thoroughly enjoy Eagles players, current and past, and NFL players across the board just unloading the clip on Juju Smith-Schuster. I so I was. I always thought it was a kind of strange how everyone seemed to like hate him in the Steelers and like it just seemed like everyone had like kind of turned him. I was like, I don't know, like he just seems like a normal dude. And then it's like, yeah, I guess everyone just <laughs> does not care for him. AJ Brown with like an all time TikTok boy. TikTok boy, like is just you're done. If AJ Brown called me TikTok boy, I think I would retire. I would retire. <laughs> I think I'd probably retire. Like, and why not go to the, out of Super Bowl champion? You know, like unreal. <laughs> and then CJ Gardner Johnson said, uh, "Juju ran away, didn't want the smoke." And then when he laid the hit on Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah is the uh, the uh, middleman of catching the smoke that was meant for Juju. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ring out of there at least. <laughs> they were just going crazy, like, and there was even like former Chiefs players too that were on the team that won in, in twenty twenty, like calling it he was the we're just like, this is corny, bro. Yeah. Like just felt unnecessary. Yeah. Bro. Like all right, you won. Listen, you won. Cool. You know, like I don't know. You did you don't need to be uh don't need to be saying the things. It was pretty crazy though to see like how many players came out of the woodwork to be like, yeah. yo, fuck you. Yeah, I think that's when you know that this guy's just like not well uh yeah. well appreciated. TikTok boy though. Just, it's a good one. It's a good one. It, it is fun when current and former Eagles players are giving wide receivers funny nicknames. Malcolm Jenkins calling uh, Michael Thomas Slam Boy. Yeah, and that one really stuck. <laughs> yeah, everyone calls him that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see where the Eagles go from here. And uh, I don't know. I I think the, the quote-unquote anger is more so that not that the Eagles lost, but how they lost is what fans are frustrated with. That's what I would say I'm frustrated with. Um, but then you look at the bright side, like we mentioned, like the, the core of this team is intact for years to come, which I think is a, a, a th- I think the Eagles are in a better spot this year post-Super Bowl than what they were in 2017. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, we talked about it in the lead-up too. Like the 2017 run felt a little like a – just a little sprinkle of like fairy dust on that yeah. team, you know, and – you know, everyone's kind of playing to a level that they weren't really actually at. And this year didn't totally feel that way. Like this year you kind of had some outlier stuff happen for you, which most Super Bowl, even just making the Super Bowl is like kind of naturally an outlier season. Um, Cause only two teams do it. <laughs> but you know, like 
a lot of things already have to go right for you. And yeah. we talked about like the health and things and things of that nature and guys just having like high variance type of year, right? Like I'm not sure we see Jalen Hurts have as a great of a running year, right? Like right. I, I'm not sure he's what do you have like 14, 15 yeah, touchdowns. Cam Newton records. Like, you know, like I just not totally sure we see that again next year. He'll be great again next year, you know, but like, I just think a, a lot of things sort of align for them that, uh, you know, maybe don't next year, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's easy to kind of walk away thinking this team ha- does have a, a, a chance next year to be back in this situation. Yeah, and it's, like, good to know that, like, you have your franchise quarterback, and I would say you have your coach for the next X amount of years. I think Sirianni's going to be here for quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Barring, like, anything going, like, cataclysmically wrong, but I think to have that duo intact for the next five to ten years would be, I think Eagles fans would sign up for that every day of the week. Absolutely. Uh, before we keep going, make sure you guys go get your merch from our amazing merch partners, PHI Apparel Company, new updated website and everything over there. Uh, the show always brought to you by PHI Apparel Company, and they provide unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly and with their original designs for all, including Underground Sports Philadelphia merch. Uh, there's no doubt that you'll stand out in the crowd Go get your merch. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing. We got hoodies and shirts for all of our podcasts on phiapparel.co, plus some amazing designs for the Eagles, the Phillies, Sixers, Flyers. I saw they dropped Philadelphia Stars stuff with the USFL coming back. So if you're a football sicko, uh, you can go get your Stars merch as well. Uh, And you guys can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co and use code underground at checkout for 10% off. That's how they know that you're also coming from us. Matt, we've got a ESPN nationally televised game tonight in the city of Philadelphia, kind of a playoff vibe, Sixers-Cavs, um, as the Sixers now take center stage in our lives once again. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the come down, um, which is a bummer. <laughs> they had a uh, a very uninspiring trade deadline. They get actually, like, I was high on them to draft in Jalen McDaniel's. Um, I I knew I like remembered his name as someone that I really highlighted in the draft that I liked a lot. So that's good. A lot of controversy around him too, which right has of course some the- uh, some off the court issues, which is great. Love to add someone of high character. Wouldn't be the Sixers without stupid um no more Matisse strange strange exit yeah and uh signed the ghost of Dwayne Dedman it's just like such a uh it's like a very uninspiring move in my opinion just feels very like Dwayne Dedman five years too late yeah it's it's almost like not that the Marvel movies are bad but it's like it's like so formulaic it's like well, yeah. I wonder how this is gonna get you know, like it's just like we get it you know we we get it, Daryl Morey. You got no other ideas. Like it just sucks too because I think that was a position that they really could have strengthened in in the backup center, and not uh, not doing that could come back to haunt them again in the playoffs because it has. Like we've seen when Embiid is off the floor, if you don't have someone capable of playing in the playoffs, like that is just. And it also disaster. sucks that like Charles Bassey just got a five year, ten million dollar like contract with the right. Spurs when he was in the building. I mean that Bassey and Isaiah Joe were two of these yeah. guys that we've we've let go over the last who've been last phenomenal. Year and a half that I just I kind of kind of makes you scratch your head. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a little frustrating that aspect. I think this team is still good, but 
you know, you just had like, you had that Boston loss last week when like half the team isn't available. That sucks. I just, it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's really tough when you have all that kind of like whipping around. And um, I mean, the East has gotten a little more a little interesting easier. because the Nets obviously have blown, have blown it, it all up. Not totally by their choice, of course, but, you know, at least you, you're not really thinking about them anymore. It's really just Milwaukee and Boston as your, your two competitors, you think, <laughs> at least, until Sixers are going to end up with the third seed, play the Heat in the first round and get bounced, and yeah. Harden's going to leave in the get, summer, and maybe then we'll fire Doc Rivers. We'll get Tobias Harris over me part two. <sighs> it's, just, uh, <laughs> it's just very frustrating. The... Uh... I, I think the funniest part is Sixers Adam tweeted this last year when Ben Simmons got traded to the Nets. And it was like, it'll be funny if at some point in the near future, if everything just kind of crumbles and it becomes Ben Simmons' team. It might it, not even be that. It's not even that. He's like, Ben Simmons might be out of the league after his contract. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not totally sure what kind of future he has. What, uh, what, Odd jobs do we think Ben Simmons could end up being like in post NBA career? I don't think I don't know what Ben Simmons is interested in besides like nice cars, exotic dogs, and he's just gonna go full face like Call of Duty. Yeah, like honestly, like he's just like a lifestyle guy. Like when they described him as a young socialite, I think that's like genuinely like how he sees himself and like all he wants to do. He kind of just wants to hang out and be rich and sort of like have his brother follow him around yeah like i think that's kind of just it i, I don't know like i it's very hard to, to tell what his mentality is but what yeah. did you uh glad he's not our problem anymore yeah. what did you make of the kd trade uh i was very confused when i woke up in the morning i saw um it's a big swing by phoenix to obviously go all in you know they they must obviously feel like they have a shot with the west the west has a lot of good teams but there's no like true juggernaut in in that conference like there's like five or six very good teams and they they were already one of those teams and now you kind of push it all in with Durant and you know it's 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 a big price to pay but I think when you're adding Kevin Durant you know this is what you see with new ownership groups do a lot you might see them like kind of make big risks right they want to make those like big swings and and be be great for it so I'm curious to see how it works out like but historically too like usually takes guys you know, there's only like 20 something games left in the season. Durant is still not playing, you know, he still has an injury. So yeah, that's a, that would be my concern. But I think if you have the chance to add Kevin Durant, I would just, you know, if we had the chance to add Kevin Durant, <laughs> I would be, I would be very pro that. It feels like this is one of the more active NBA oh, trade deadlines. Massive. In recent memory. Because there's so many teams, I think that felt like, Hey, we're on just kind of the verge. Like even outside of the big star trades, right? Like out yeah. of Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant, like you had a lot of like, uh, like on on the 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 edge of stuff being being done. Like D'Lo going back to to LA, right? Like that that's that's one I think that could be impactful for the Josh playoffs. Josh the Knicks. Yeah, like the Knicks, obviously, like trying to add someone to the rotation. Yeah, Crowder goes to Milwaukee. Even like the Sixers, right? Making uh, some uh, some acquisitions there. And Scala goes to Boston. Yeah, like they just. You know, a that lot feels of teams, like a Napoleon move. <laughs> a lot of teams have, have made you know uh, a big a big choice to to kind of go all in now. The buyout market's going to be the disgusting. buyout market is the biggest crypto scam there yes. is. Like every year, people convince themselves that the buyout market is like a place where 
this is where we find the guy that no, wins us the championship. Pure and hell. It just isn't. It's just it's awful. It's never fun. You get Dwayne Deadman and you're like it's sick. I guess I <laughs> I feel sick. It's not actually sick. Uh, also, uh, Mac McClung gets signed with Ten Day. It's highlight reel. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be. He's like you know how the you know in between like TV timeouts they have those Sixers like flyers come out like they they like jump on the trampolines like that's. Max McClung is just one of those guys, except he doesn't need the trampoline. That's it. Like, <laughs> he's plot twist. He's actually Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with the Sixers Cavs tonight, and then uh, pitchers and catchers. Man, it's hard to believe that it's already here. The next great hope. Uh, um, I don't know about you, but I was ready to fall over seeing Andrew Painter in a Phillies uniform. That yeah. was great to see. Um, it's, it's weird, you know, cause usually we, we spend these last four months just talking about, you know, waiting for pitchers and catchers. And obviously with the world series now ending in November, um, it gets here quicker, but like since the Phillies were in the world series, it felt like such a fast turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't had them play this late ever, you know, so yeah. Uh, it does feel even even more fast, and I think too like either the Eagles obviously having a very deep run, and yeah. you know certainly is like there's no like idle time to really be thinking you know like too much about y- even like the Sixers who are actively playing right like we don't even think about them as much because so much focuses on the Eagles. So now uh, now the the attention turns towards the Phillies, and you know it's all like the regular season is gonna be a lot of fun and interesting, but you know. This team's interests are obviously lying in the fall and in October, and you know it's just it's going to be like a long wait, <laughs> yeah, to see what this team does, and you know hopefully it remains competitive in the division. That'd be my hope that uh, that we actually make a real run at, at getting a division title this year. Yeah, and I mean like we talked about it when it started, but like the free agent market went quickly yeah. for baseball too, so it was kind of just like everything happened. You kind of knew who was on what team, and then. Uh, things were just it was just like all right when's it start um very excited for for baseball season obviously april 8th will be uh we're doing a live tailgate podcast uh for opening night so make sure you guys uh come on out to that phi apparel company part of that kenwood beer part of that and bino board are going to be a part of that um so a lot of fun stuff uh over the next couple of months that we'll have planning for that for our live tailgate series of podcasts that we'll be doing We'll keep you guys up to date on the socials with that. Oh. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, doing, uh, doing top ends research, but hit the volume <laughs> button. The uh, the Union released their new kits today. Your thoughts? Uh, like a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Nothing will ever top the lightning bolts. Yeah. Um, I like the color scheme. They're like, I don't know what the... It's not... It's, like a, it's a strange kind of yellow. It's like, yeah. if you haven't seen it. It's like a... It's like somewhere between camo and cloud. Yeah, um, looks like honey mustard. Yeah, like honey mustard and like this nice like light blue. I I generally like it. Um, it was built up a lot, yeah. which I think you can't ever do that because yeah. <laughs> people are gonna naturally be disappointed when it, you, know, you talk about when how the bar amazing is it so is. high. Yeah, too. like because you just start to like think about what's in your mind and how good it could be, and then it's almost never gonna like fit that uh-huh. that image. But I think they're nice. They're 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 nice looking kits. No, no real issues with them. I think they're they're clean looking. I kind of like the the color scheme. the The badge being like just a snake is like a nice little touch. Um, 
but yeah, you know, they're they're fine. Nothing's yeah. topping the lightning bolts ever. That's, that's that's like an all time like yeah. Philadelphia jersey. Um, yeah, they were fine. Like I saw a lot of people complaining that they replaced the the crest with just the snake. That's a um, semi common thing in soccer. Like I wouldn't say it's like regular, but like there are a lot of teams. Like Liverpool used to have like a crest on theirs and sweat switch to just the liver bird on it. And other teams will like for like anniversaries will use like their old badge from like you yeah. know, like the nineteen forties or something. Like it's it's more common than I think people realize. Like to do this, like maybe not always, but like we'll do like a one like their third jersey or something will have sort of a more stylized version. Like some teams have like moved it to the middle or like something like you know yeah. like it's I don't know I'm fine fine with it I don't think it's and really at the end of the day all this is just so that the team makes money right you know <laughs> it's I think all you, for jersey sales and I, th- I think you keep that in mind and and you move on um I'm excited for the union season I'm very excited for the union season that you know speaking of bringing starters back like we were talking about with the Eagles the team that's bringing back pretty much everyone um you know so that's that's really exciting and I think you know, I, I expect them to be a top three seed in the East. You know, you, you just got to add in some potential variants for injuries and things like that. But uh, when you look, I think the way this team played the second half of the season is much more indicative of, of what we should see. Um, because, you know, they kind of had not a bad start to the season, but, you know, we're like a little more inconsistent, right? And they didn't have like, the, especially the, the front three had not had as much time together. We saw once they started to get that chemistry, started to play together a lot more. Um, this team really started to take off, set a record for goal scoring, right? Like they were just like dominating, dominating teams at times. So, um, I don't know if they're going to be winning like seven, eight nil as yeah. frequently, but you know, like I, I think this team, you know, has, has improved year on year and I would expect them to do the same. And I, you know, I feel like a top three seed in the East is very doable. And from there, you know, who knows? And I think offensively too, like we talked about it last season, like for them to have, that big trio up top for an entire season is going to be massive just for chemistry reasons and like the team looking the way that you know you expect them to up top yeah i mean you know you had quite a few new additions to that front three like carranza was new in the, like terms of like was finally settled in like ooh, i was like very new uh, last year and yeah, I, I think now you've had that full season full off season too of like training you know that's that's all really helpful stuff so looking forward to see uh see how they do i mean that's next weekend so um yeah the mls in general the mls i'm making a bigger attempt to, yeah, i watch more union than i've ever watched last year and this year i'm trying to make a more attempt to like watch more mls in general that big apple tv deal too yeah so. yeah i'm not totally in love with that but <laughs> <laughs> it's all right um plus it helps when the union have like arguably best coach in the league yeah yeah so. i mean he's a he's a fantastic manager so if only the Sixers could learn a thing or two from most of the teams in the city. <laughs> yeah. If the Sixers could take some notes from the Union, that would actually be really helpful. Like homegrown town and, you know, again, one of the smallest budgets in the league in terms of that. Like, you know, maybe just, just take a drive. Ask some questions. <laughs> take a look at the three teams who made it to their championships. And yeah. Maybe take a look at why they were so successful. Um. But yeah, that's all we got for you guys. Make sure you follow us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Uh, and of course, leave a five-star rating and review. It helps the show continue to grow. 
and uh, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes, clips, live streams, shorts, any video content. It's up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything we discussed on this episode. And big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been episode number 508 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, we are signing off. Peace. Oh,